Welcome back to Via the Source, where you can get news about the entire NFL and, of course, the Miami Dolphins. Fins up. Here's Steven, your host. What's up, guys? Today's date is August 6th. I'm Steven Masso, and as always, you're listening to Via the Source. Now, in today's episode, we're going to be discussing some news about the Dolphins. First, we will begin with two of the receivers electing to opt out of the 2020 season. We're going to be discussing that a little bit, but we're also going to talk about how this kind of shapes the receiver group, and we're going to take a deeper dive into the receiver group, and that kind of will be the focus of this episode. We're also going to be discussing some of the key points from the interviews with running backs Matt Breida and Jordan Howard, as well as defensive tackle Christian Wilkins. That will also all be discussed in this episode. So first, we will begin with the news of the receivers opting out. Now, two days ago, Alan Hearns elected to opt out of the 2020 season. He mentioned he wanted to protect his health and his family's health. And then Albert Wilson yesterday decided to follow him by doing the same thing, also cited his family's health. So before we talk about them as players and what they bring to the team, I want to say this, and I said it in the episode before this, was that I will never criticize a player for electing to opt out uh, and prioritize their health, and especially in these circumstances, their family's health as well. These are very unprecedented uh, circumstances, and it's a situation that is tough for everybody, and I'm not going to sit here and criticize someone for placing a lot of value on their own health, and that's all I want to say about that. Now, to talk about them as players, Alan Hearns last year was a very reliable uh, receiver for this team. Despite battling some injuries, he suffered a, a terrible concussion against the Cowboys, and then, as many know, the year before that with the Cowboys, Alan Hearns had this gruesome broken leg injury that was very tough to watch, but he was a veteran on this team. Despite being a fairly young receiver, the Dolphins receiver group was so young that he was one of these reliable veteran receivers that the Dolphins had, and many considered him a lock to be around the fifth receiver or so for the team. So he wasn't a superstar, and I don't think the Dolphins expected him to be back in 2015, though, with the Jaguars. He had over a 1,000 yards and 10 touchdowns. That was clearly his best season, and he hasn't been able to replicate that. Now, with Albert Wilson, this one is a little bit of a painful blow because Albert Wilson is somebody that when he's healthy, when he is on the field, he really did provide a spark for the Dolphins' offense. If we go back to 2018, he had 335 yards after the catch on only 26 catches. He was injured. He severed a, a devastating hip injury, kind of similar to what happened to Tua at Alabama, but before that he was truly putting the team on his back I think back to the Chicago Bears game where it seemed like the ball maybe traveled like 30 yards through the air but he was doing so much after the catch and he was really on pace to kind of have a, a huge historical yards after the catch kind of season he had more than Odell Beckham Jr. had in 2018 he had more than Jarvis Landry had more than Mike Evans had throughout the whole season and he missed over half the year with that injury so keep that in mind now last year I will say he wasn't as productive as he was before. He missed some time again. Uh, you know, there was the issues with the offense. Chad O'Shea's offense wasn't really catered to him. Uh, Albert Wilson really uh, got to benefit off of the Adam Gay system that as we reflect back, you remember how productive it was for Jarvis Landry kind of in those bubble screens and feeding him the ball a lot. Albert Wilson
Jefferson really took over that role. And then last year, the offense wasn't really catered to him the same way Adam Gase's offense was. Um, but physically, I think he looked pretty good. He still looked pretty explosive. I wouldn't say that he looked as good as 2018, but it was not enough for me to definitively say that he has some sort of injury issue that is still lingering that is holding him back. I mean, he looked pretty good last year, but now he and Alan Hearns will both be opting out of the 2020 season. So now we have to take a look at the Dolphins roster and the receiver position right now and how it's going to shape up. So first, we have to discuss the guys who are locks to make the team. And the first of those it is glaringly obvious. It is Devontae Parker, who had a monster year in 2019. To mention what he did last year, uh, again, I know I talk about this pretty frequently, but he had fourth most receiving yards among wide receivers in the entire NFL, 1,202. He had the third most touchdowns among wide receivers with nine. He had the third most catches of 20 plus yards, the fourth most catches of 40 plus yards. He had 119 yards on seven catches versus Stephon Gilmore, the defensive player of the year. So Devontae Parker had a monster year and people will say that he was raking up all these garbage time stats and that is not true at all because if you reflect at when he was having his breakout season, it was primarily towards the second half of the season and if you kept up with the Dolphins, you recognize that they actually won five games and a lot of those came at the tail end of the year. Games that Devontae Parker had a big impact in and I mentioned this before but he was not benefiting off of these play calls that really just put the ball in his hands. He was really making these catches, these big boy one-on-one -on -one just absolutely defeating his defender every single play. It seemed like every game, Devontae Parker had a highlight reel catch. So it wasn't just some fluke. And I really do think the national media or fans across the league are really downplaying how good of a season Devontae Parker had in 2019. So he is the obvious lock. He's the obvious wide receiver one for the team. But then we have to look at Preston Williams, who was the undrafted rookie who really was off to a very promising start last year. If you look at what he was doing, it, at the beginning of the season, there was more attention on Preston Williams than there was on Devontae Parker. You had more people in fantasy football going out there and picking up Preston Williams because it seemed like he was really starting to pick up. He was really building a chemistry with Ryan Fitzpatrick, and he too was having almost a highlight reel catch Every game, it seemed like he was uh, the, you know, his acrobats and tiptoe catches in the back of the end zone. The only issue with him was that he was having some issues with drops. And I think back about the, the drop against the Cowboys where Josh Rosen put a beautiful dime in the corner of the end zone and he dropped it. And that would have really, I think would have boosted Rosen's confidence and kind of got some momentum going there. He ended up dropping it, and that was kind of his biggest flaw last season, but he was on pace for over 800 yards. He did have three touchdowns, and... For some reason, and this isn't hindsight speaking, I said this immediately after and I said it before he was hurt even, that why did you have Preston Williams returning punts? He ended up getting hurt, tearing his ACL on a punt return. I didn't think it made sense. I know some people will say that, you know, he's a rookie, you have to get him these reps, but he's a big receiver. He is a big body receiver. I don't really see him as somebody who fits the mold of somebody that we think of as a punt returner. I don't know many teams, aside from maybe Des Bryant way back at the beginning 
beginning of his career that were that big and were out there returning punts effectively. But those are my thoughts on the Preston Williams injury. Um, but Preston Williams and Devontae Parker, I will say, don't really fit the mold of the receivers that Tua had around him at Alabama, which are these kind of uh, elusive, quick feet uh, guys that were you know tremendous at these slant routes. Here instead, you have these two big body receivers who are capable of making these awesome jump ball catches, and that is not a knock on them. I think they are valuable for any quarterback to have. Any quarterback would be happy to have these boundary receivers like Devontae Parker, like Preston Williams. Definitely a major plus, and considering that they are so young, this is an awesome group that I'm really excited about. Now, we get to the wide receiver three spot, which was an easy lock for Albert Wilson, considering that he restructured his contract and that he did have such a great season in 2018. It was an easy lock, but now with him opting out of the 2018 season, this is where things start to get a little bit interesting. Now, Jakeem Grant would be the obvious one who fills the role right here, and this is kind of a, about a 99% lock. I would say even before Albert Wilson's decision uh, to opt out, he offers a tremendous amount of value on the special teams. As we all know, he is a speedster. He has truly never really been able to convert it just yet to the offensive side of the ball, but he does so show these really promising moments and these big, massive home run plays that provide a spark for the offense offense. And I think, and I've been saying it, just find a way to get the ball into Jakeem Grant's hands. There are very few guys in the NFL with the elusiveness, with the speed, with the combination of his awareness and how to make guys miss that Jakeem Grant has. I think it's a very rare group of traits that he has at his disposal. And I'm very curious to see if he could translate this this season into being an, an awesome tool for the offense because he has only showed it in glimpses. But I do think you just give him the ball and he has an opportunity. He is an easy lock, I think, as of right now to make the team. And I think everyone uh, should be agreeing with that. Now, this is where things actually start to get pretty interesting because this is the spot where after Jakeem Grant, we would typically have Alan Hearns with, you know, somewhat good amount of confidence that he would be the guy. But now Alan Hearns elects to opt out and you have to start examining who is left on the team. So Isaiah Ford is kind of the, the name that I'm seeing thrown around the most at this spot right here. He has the most experience with the team. It seems like every year in training camp and towards the preseason that he's regarded as one of these kind of off-season heroes that everyone gets excited about. What Preston Williams did last year was kind of what everyone thought Isaiah Ford would be doing for the past two years. So Isaiah Ford finally got an opportunity last year during the regular season. I wouldn't say that he was uh, spectacular by any means. I think he served his role and he was pretty reliable when he came to picking up uh, yards in the short game. He didn't have a touchdown, but it was pretty close at one point, just a missed throw. So Isaiah Ford has a good chance of filling this role. It will truly depend on how he performs. Uh, you know, he has the advantage, I guess, to an extent because he has the experience, but it will come down to whether they think Isaiah Ford has shown what he is already or whether there is still some potential that is still untapped with what he has. But there is no doubt with the news of Alan Hearns and Albert Wilson both opting out that his chances of making the team have increased exponentially. Now, the next guy here who has been picking up quite a bit of hype is Gary Jennings, a receiver out of West Virginia. He was with the Seahawks, didn't really have an impact with them. But if you look at what a lot of the beat reporters are saying, they say that he is uh, showing a lot of promise. And in this pass off season, he was working out with Tua. So that could give him a little bit 
of an advantage. Now, when I look at Gary Jennings, he kind of reminds me of maybe a less polished version of Anquan Bolden. And I said that when the Dolphins initially made the move for him. And I don't want to say, I know a lot of people get mad when people make con comparisons, especially when they're compared to greats like Anquan Bolden. I'm not saying that he will be as good as Anquan Bolden, but that's just kind of the skill set that he has and that's what it kind of reminds me of and I'm not the only one who says this if you listen to this interview Gary Jennings also said the exact same thing uh, what's the NFL comparison of a guy that's successful in the league right now at wide receiver position I'll say more of like a like Muhammad Sanu like okay. Ron Bolden type of player ooh, ooh. yeah so this is a guy to keep your eye on. As it stands right now, there is nothing definitively for me to say that he's going to be the one that ends up making the roster at this wide receiver six spot. It is going to be a competition, and in the coming weeks, I think we'll start to see who's really distancing themselves or is able to kind of uh, make a name for themselves to some extent. But as of right now, he is definitely somebody who is in the mix for this spot. Now, the next guy here is Kirk Merritt, who I'm already on the hype train for. His athleticism is is through the roof. In 2014, he won the Nike Spark or S-P-A-R-Q competition, and that stands for Speed, Power, Agility, Reaction, and Quickness. He won that. He ran a 4-3-3 40-yard dash. He was originally uh, at Oregon, transferred to Texas A&M. He had some off-the-field issues that forced him to actually go to East Mississippi Community College, which may sound familiar because that's where they filmed the Netflix special Last Chance You at. And then he ended up playing at Arkansas State where he had a few good seasons there. So I'm very hyped up on him because, like I said, his athleticism is through the roof. If you watch what he does and what he did in his college career, he makes some very, you know, just wow kind of plays. His speed is just awesome to watch. His ability to keep plays going and hit these awesome spin moves or bounce off people. It seems like it's very hard to get him down. He also has a bunch of catches in traffic where there's two people and he somehow ends up with the ball. He is very exciting to watch. Watch. The knock that I've seen on him and that I've read about him is that his route running is still not 100% there. But if you remember, that is what a lot of people were saying about Preston Williams. So if they're able to get some sort of hidden gem out of Kirk Merritt, then the Dolphins may be able to kind of change the narrative with wide receivers in the same way that is happening with running backs. You see the NFL more and more trending towards picking running backs towards the tail end of drafts and kind of uh, not willing to pay them these huge contracts. Well, the Dolphins right now are finding a potential hidden gem in Preston Williams. If we see Isaiah Ford make the team, he was drafted in the seventh round. And then if we see Kirk Merritt also make the team as an undrafted rookie, then the Dolphins may be one of the few teams here that are kind of going against the tide with what people have come to expect with how you treat wide receivers in the NFL. So as of right now, he is one of my sleepers to kind of get this, uh, get this spot. I'm very hopeful about it. As of right now, I'm very excited. Of course, we still have some time, but he is somebody that I am watching very closely in this battle. Then we have Mac Hollins, who was on the team last year. He played with the Eagles before. He was kind of used more as a special teams player, and I don't want to downplay that because who knows? Even though the Dolphins right now are pretty thin at wide receiver, Brian Flores and the staff here could look at his value and what he offers to the team from the special team side and say that it is worth keeping him on the roster. Would I be willing to bet on him getting the spot? Not really. I would give all the guys I mentioned before the upper hand here and potentially even if they were to bring in a free agent because there is some some guys that definitely 
offer more experience and more uh, value to the offensive side of the ball than Mac Hollins does as of right now. So I'm not really expecting him to make the team. Now, the last guy here that I want to mention, even though he is listed as a running back, is Malcolm Perry, the running back out of Navy. And Barry Jackson just put out an article saying that he has sources close to the Dolphins that are saying that they are asking him to learn to be a slot receiver, that they see him as somebody who could be the next Julian Edelman or the next Antoine Randall L, who are all quarterbacks in college like Malcolm Perry was, and they see him as somebody who could convert to a different position at the pro level. So Malcolm Perry, you know, smaller guy, definitely shifty. He is as quick as they come. The guy is very, very quick. I mean, he's not as fast as Matt Breda and Jakeem Grant, but his ability to make guys miss, he is a very hard-nosed player, very hard to get on the ground. I've already seen a lot of people in the Dolphins fan base kind of regard him as one of their favorites just because of uh, you know, how he plays, his perseverance, his skill set, how exciting he is to watch, and how he speaks in interviews. He's a very well-spoken guy, a very high-character player here. So a lot of people are already fans of Malcolm Perry, and now it looks like the Dolphins could be asking him to learn slot receiver. So that is something also to be taken into account here. Now, to mention a few of the free agents available really quick. Now, the few guys that are being mentioned, Chris Hogan is being thrown around there a lot. Chris Hogan is most known for his little tenure with the New England Patriots, but he was also with the Dolphins when he was on Hard Knocks, and he got the nickname 7-Eleven for always being open, and then he was with the Buffalo Bills immediately following his tenure with the Dolphins, and that is where he became uh, promoted to the active roster in 2012. And guess who was the head coach for the Bills at that time? It was Chan Gailey. So people are connecting the dots. They are saying that there are rumors that they are interested in him. Now, Chris Hogan right now is 32 years old. The Dolphins are a team that is looking towards the future. And I would think that they would be looking at somebody who is a bit younger and has more to offer. But with how the season is turning out, with a lot of things still in the air, with the potential for games to be delayed, or maybe even the season to be canceled if there were to be an outbreak, they could see Chris Hogan as somebody who offers more from the experience, from being able to teach some of the younger guys, as opposed to somebody who is going to help the team immediately. But still, even then, with given how thin the Dolphins are at wide receiver and them kind of needing a guy that they could potentially see here for the long term, then personally, I would think it would be better for them to look at somebody who could have more of an impact. And when I say that, I'm looking more at guys like Taylor Gabriel. And Taylor Gabriel, was with the Chicago Bears. They cut him to clear up some cap space. But if you think back to 2018, the game that I actually referenced where Albert Wilson had a huge performance that carried the Dolphins to a victory, well, Taylor Gabriel was on the other side and he was absolutely torching the Dolphins. He had over 100 yards receiving. He was making big play after big play in that game and really uh, carrying the Chicago Bears offense in that game. He didn't really have a terrific year, but if the Dolphins remember that, if they look back on that performance, as someone that is interesting to them. He is a smaller receiver. He is a speedster. In a way, he does, in fact, actually kind of remind me of Albert Wilson. So that would be a potential good replacement, I think, for them to add in right there. Another guy that I'm kind of looking at is Paul Richardson. He is somebody that I talked about with pretty high regards in one of the first episodes ever of actually of Via the Source. I was very hyped on him after he played with the Seahawks. The Redskins ended up giving him a pretty big contract 
contract, and by all means, he was a pretty big letdown. The Dolphins could view him as somebody who still has some value. He had some pretty good years with Seattle. He is only 28 years old. He is younger than both Gabriel and Hogan, so that is somebody that I'm also kind of keeping on my radar. And then the last one that I've kind of, I think I've been seeing thrown around Twitter more as a hot take uh, more than anything, and that is Antonio Brown. Now, Antonio Brown, it is it goes without saying that talent-wise, through the roof, one of the top receivers in the past decade, you can make the argument that he is the top receiver in the past decade. He has had a terrific career. Even last year, the game that he only played one game, and it just so happened to be against the Dolphins, and I was in Miami to watch it, the guy did not lose a step. The guy is still elite from a talent level. Everything, of course, that's an issue with him comes from from outside of football. There is a lot of baggage. He is viewed right now as a cancer and it's kind of hard to make the argument that he is not. And I don't see the Dolphins making this move because of how counterintuitive it is to everything they're building right here in terms of uh, their culture that they have. And I hate throwing around that word, but the Dolphins, it seems like, really care about the character of the players, especially right now you have a young quarterback, you have a ton of young players that are uh, in need of a veteran to look at. I don't know if Antonio Brown is the one that you want to bring in here at such an important time of building this team. And I know he is from the Miami area and the Dolphins love to bring in these hometown heroes. And he his last game again was against Miami in his hometown, did terrific. But all that still, I think it's too much. I don't see the Dolphins doing it aside from how good he is talent-wise. I think a team like the Seahawks or a team like the Ravens who have Lamar Jackson also from the Miami area and of course his cousin Hollywood Browns there are also a good candidate. But as for the Dolphins, the way they are built right now, I don't think that move makes sense. So uh, the free agents again that I'm looking at, Taylor Gabriel potentially here. I'm looking at Paul Richardson. I'm looking at Jerry is right, the former Carolina Panther. Uh, and then Chris Hogan is an interesting one. And I think that will be truly telling of how the Dolphins are viewing things to play out if they end up going with the veteran 32-year-old Chris Hogan and they bring him in. So those are my thoughts on the receiver situation as it stands right now. I would love to know who you think the Dolphins are going to elect to go with at the receiver position. And now we're going to dive in to what Matt Breida and Jordan Howard had to say in their Zoom interview yesterday. And well, Matt Breida was uh, extremely enthusiastic to be there. He was smiling. He was extremely upbeat in terms of his personality. And I say that and you'll understand why when I bring up Jordan Howard. But Matt Breida, extremely enthusiastic, was cracking jokes. His confidence was off the charts when he spoke. People were asking him if he thinks he is the fastest guy in the NFL. Because if you don't know, for the past two years, according to the NFL's next-gen stats, Matt Breida has been clocked at the fastest speed in back-to-back -back years. They asked him, do you think you are the fastest guy in the NFL? And he says, I don't have to answer this. You guys have seen the next-gen stats. And he said that with a smile on his face. The guy is extremely confident. He says he is willing to race anyone on the team, and that includes Jakeem Grant. And then Omar Kelly asked an interesting question in regards to speed with and without pads and whether he thinks he'll be just as quick just because speed can be so different with and without pads on. He said that if you take the pads off, it'll be easier for him. It'll just make the challenge that much more simple. So, extremely confident. I'm loving what I'm hearing from Matt Breida. He seems ready to go. Then Jordan Howard on the other end. This guy was 
just how we talked to him the first time when they first brought him in. Strictly all about business. He wasn't there to crack jokes. He says that he is treating this as a competition, that he hasn't really spoke with any of the other running backs. He says they have a good group of guys, but as it stands right now, he is approaching everything as a competition. So Jordan Howard, in his first Zoom interview, he said his style of play was to run through a guy. He's trying to hit someone in the mouth and lay him down on the floor, and that's the kind of feel that you get from him. I think his uh, style of play is a perfect complement to what Matt Breida offers. You have a strong, powerful running back in Howard, then you have the quick trailblazer in Matt Breida. Very complimentary style of running backs. I'm very excited in those two guys. And then Christian Wilkins was also on the Zoom call, and that's where he said that he respects all the players' decisions uh, to opt out of the 2020 season. He was wearing a mask during the interview. He seems to be taking all the precautions. He spoke very eloquently, and he said that whether you were electing to play or not, he understands. And he says, especially with guys like Hearns and Albert Wilson, that they have their family in mind, so he understands where they're coming from. From and he has no respect lost for them in terms of their decision here. Now, he also said uh, from an attitude perspective that no one is more energetic and brings more to the table than he does. He says this year he is looking to bring more of a leadership element to his play. And if you listen to him, he has a ton of mic'd up videos with the Dolphins. Uh, and the guy is just a character to be around. He is awesome. He is fun. And I could definitely see him as somebody who takes on a leadership role despite despite only being in his second season with the team. So, guys, that is how I'm going to wrap up this episode. As always, if you could follow me on Twitter, that is at via the source. If you could, if you leave a review on the Apple Podcast app, it would mean a lot. It would be a tremendous help. If you have any uh, topics or questions you would like for me to discuss in future episodes, feel free to send them to me. Again, that is at via the source on Twitter, or you can reach me in the review of the Apple Podcast app, and I can get back to you there. Guys, until next time, though, I'm Stephen Moss. So, and this was via the source.